Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear God, present in this gathering and in all our gatherings, Please help us see your hope, your love, and your grace, and also your charity. Amen. I am not used to doing this kind of stuff. Is that better? So as Beth said earlier, one of my purposes today is to talk about EFM to also recognize our graduate cat, but finally to talk about the power of the laity, which we'll get to at the end of the sermon. So in today's lessons, we have lots of imagery of planting, and a, a rhythm emerges in all of these verses. There's the existing state, the seeds. There's the burial and unknown darkness or a radical shift. And then there's the emerging into new growth or new life. So I wanted to kind of talk through these ideas with you um, before I get to talking about EFM. And the first example I want to talk about is the history of the Episcopal Church. We began as the Roman Catholic Church, the one true church. And it was ruled with an iron-fisted magisterium under the leadership of the Pope. They traced their authority back to Peter, the rock upon which Jesus built his church. And that is how they wielded their authority through this apostolic succession. And then Luther comes along and he shakes things up and he nails his 95 theses to the the church door in Wittenberg. And we have a long period of conflict, some of which still exist today. But then the Anglican church emerges as a via media. They have recognized the authority of church leaders. They also recognize the wisdom of scripture, which Luther had said was paramount. But they also add a third element of individual reason. In my second example, I want to talk about the Episcopal Church of the Resurrection in Alexandria. About 10 years ago, they were a dying church. They weren't able to financially support their fellowship, worship, and outreach activities. 
And in 2013, they made a radical decision. They decided to close the church, let it die, and convert their property to affordable housing to meet the needs of their community. This year, their new life is 200 plus units of affordable housing and a smaller worship space, which they can still call home. My third example actually is our graduate today, Kat Turner. She was a successful career woman. She was living into retirement and looking for ways to grow her faith. And then resurrection faced a crisis and needed a leader. So she grew into that leadership role. She faced a lot of stumbling blocks as Resurrection tried to figure out what their new life would look like. And she utilized her, the gifts that she had realized that she had in her government career in her work with Resurrection. She helped Resurrection find a new life through her own personal gifts. In all of these examples, there's an old way of thinking and doing that gives way to a new creation. And we too often skip the middle part. We focus on what was old, we celebrate what's new, and we forget that middle part. That feeling of being so overwhelmed because you don't know what that new future looks like. It's that feeling of being buried under so much uncertainty. The reformers didn't always know that they were founding new churches. They just wanted the church abuses to stop. They just wanted the church to, be, to live up to what it was supposed to be. The resurrection congregation faced shutting their doors for good and having their community dispersed among other congregations that they, as they looked at creating affordable housing. And Kat often wondered in this process as she faced obstacle after obstacle and roadblock after roadblock, whether or not she was actually following God's will. In all of these feelings of darkness and uncertainty, we feel buried. But Jesus tells us today that we have been planted. And even if we don't know what the new creation will look like, we can trust that new growth will happen. Today, in St. Michael's, we're kind of facing the same thing. We're not facing the radical need for a new direction like Resurrection did, but we are emerging from a period of some challenges and a lot of darkness that we've been facing together as a congregation and as individuals. One of the things that we are looking at started with Ann Jacoby when she realized that the way things were weren't working when she asked to worship with AME Zion Lomax after the shootings in Charleston. That little seed that she planted has grown into a friendship between Reverend Franklin and Pastor Nelson, and it's rooted into extended dialogues between our churches, joint book studies, and many of us attending sacred ground circles over the past 20 weeks or so. So where will we emerge? We're still in this time of being planted. And what will we look like? How will we keep from getting overwhelmed? We're emerging from our own burial time as this pandemic ends. 
And we're wrestling both both as individuals and as a congregation with the barrage of questions about how our country has arrived at its current state and what difference we can make. As a church community, we are looking at many ways to further engage with Lomax and also expand out into our communities with new perspectives and more expansive history behind us. I wonder how we as individuals and as a church community begin to find paths forward without being so overwhelmed. We have been planted, but how do we follow Paul's advice and become a community worth boasting about? While many of us here are here because of the beautiful and meaningful leadership of Beth Franklin, she cannot do all the work for us. We have one ordained member of our parish and many lay people. We each need to find the thread we weave into the tapestry of St. Michael's ministry. And so I said I would talk about EFM, and here's where it starts. Our group at St. Michael's started at St. John's, I think we decided 25 years ago. So we have a long history in this group. Last year, we moved to St. Michael's, and today we celebrate Kat's graduation from the program as St. Michael's first graduate. The Education for Ministry, or EFM for short, is an extension learning program run out of the University of the South's School of Theology. Programs designed to provide lay people with sufficient knowledge of scripture and tradition to be able to employ reason with confidence. There's that Paul quote again. If that sounds like Bible study, that is part of the program. We, ingest, we digest the entire Bible in the first two years of the program. Then we tackle church history and finally modern ethics, theology, and multicultural engagement. We also read selections from important theologians that help us grapple with our world today. Next year, we'll be reading Stephanie Speller's book, <coughs> excuse me, The Church Cracked Open, and Verna Dozer's The Dream of God. Can you tell that I'm not used to talking in front of people? So that's the education part of our program. But that's not what makes the program unique. We support education for ministry. Not ministry that necessarily leads to ordination, although that's sometimes the result, and sometimes our mentor, the mentors and I call them our failures because we're really about the laity. Um, sometimes it's like the, the direction that Mary Cushing has taken. Mary Cushing's a, a parishioner at St. Michael's, And after four years of EFM and trying to decide what her life looked like after retiring from government service, we'll start diaconate training soon. Sometimes ministry can be as simple as an affirmation that acts of service are a sincere form of prayer, as Barbara Oliver, another of our graduates last year, realized. Sometimes it can be realizing that the gift of administration The ability to lead projects from vision to fruition is a spiritual gift that God provides some, as Kat discovered, as part of her EFM journey and her work with resurrection. And it can look like standing in front of you today giving a sermon about EFM. (laughs) So how does EFM do the ministry part of the program? We focus each week on more than just studying the Bible. We replicate the early Christian churches by gathering weekly in fellowship to transition from the secular space into the sacred space of exploration. We worship creatively and collectively and encourage a more vibrant personal prayer life. We also reflect theologically. 
Theological reflection is a big idea that boils down to two primary things. Exploring where God can be found anywhere we look, whether it be in our modern culture, our daily lives, or our our rich Christian tradition, and helping each of us understand where our beliefs meet our actions and how to apply those intersections to our daily lives. That's the meat of the ministry part of our program, figuring out what we do in our daily lives. You've probably heard the saying that your talents are God's gift to you and how you use them is your gift to God. Each each of us has gifts implanted within us, those tiny mustard seeds. As we grow and gain experience, those seeds sprout and grow and flourish. And if we let them grow in service to others, then we can take pleasure in how our branches support them. And that's what EFM is really about, nurturing and growing God's kingdom within ourselves and in our communities through weekly engagement in a safe, loving space where we explore what kinds of nests and shade we will provide to the world. And I get that ideas like ministry, theology, four years of study, they can seem daunting. And I'll admit, if I had actually known what I was getting myself into, I might have had second thoughts when I started my EFM journey. We all have busy lives, and setting time aside for study and reflection seems like a potential burden without a lot of payoff. The question becomes, do I have time, and what does this have to do with my life? But when we each recognize how we support God's kingdom through our own work, our call, our ministry, whatever you want to call it, that's when we realize the power that God wants us to have, the power of being in the laity, the power to live into our full potential in service to the world. So EFM is one of the ways we can discover our gifts and how we should use them. But I invite each of you to remember that God hasn't buried you but planted you. And it's time to discover how you will grow. Amen.